0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm Bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, we're clearing the docket. How are you, Judge Hodgman? I'm good. You know what I call clearing the docket? What do you call it? Having a little docky. (laughs) Oh, really? Is that what you. Is that what you. Well, among who do you like when you're. Because you've never said that to me. By myself in my chambers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like having a little docky. (laughs) That is, of course, a a reference to the great Tim Meadows joke. From Saturday Night Live, when Tim Meadows, the the genius, would appear on the show to talk about how much he loves hockey. (laughs) And he would say, I love hockey so much. Like, I don't remember who was the, it was like weekend update. I don't remember who was the official anchor for it. But Tim Meadows would appear as the hockey commentator. Like, you really love hockey, Tim? And he's like, yeah, that's why they call me Little Hockey. (laughs) Still makes me laugh. (laughs) I love Little Hockey. And here's a little
0: docky for y'all in your ears. Um, here's something uh, from Rebecca. I bring yeah. a case against my boyfriend, Lowen. He confuses waitstaff and our fellow dining companions with the way he orders food in restaurants. I think it's proper to order drinks, then appetizers, then mains, and hold off on ordering dessert till later. Mm-hmm. Lowen will usually order at random or flip through naming dishes from the back of the menu to the front. I can see that it confuses the waitstaff and our friends when he reels off the main dishes, then goes to the appetizers. It appears as though he's forgotten to order the appetizers, and sometimes he has. That's a parenthetical exclamation.
1: You know what? A radio professional like yourself doesn't need to add a parenthetical explanation to what is obviously a parenthetical exclamation. You nailed it.
0: You know, it's a lot like being a Shakespearean actor. What you're really reading is the punctuation.
1: Also, you're dressed up as a girl. That's true.
0: <laughs> and everyone is pretending that they can't tell that I'm not one. I do exactly. I do try to order for both of us, but the waitstaff often defers to him. Ugh. And Loen will give me an annoyed look when I jump over him to order. The waitstaff doesn't know what to do with us, and they'll bring appetizers and mains at once. Please tell Loen to place his order in the traditional way.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that the, the waitstaff hasn't kicked you out. You probably, there are probably no restaurants that will have you anymore. You and your weird boyfriend. Let me understand this. When you, when you, you are a radio professional, so I should know this. When you went, Ugh. uh, Jesse, was that you going, uh?
0: No, that was notated in the text. Uh, specifically it was an, uh, at, uh, the sexism, uh, inherent in oh, ordering the food staff, at restaurants.
1: The wait staff will often defer to this confusing probable sociopath.
0: Yeah, despite the fact, just because he's a man, despite the fact that he's a sociopath.
1: Yeah, okay, I got gotcha. you. And when she says that uh, Lohan will give me an annoyed look when I jump over him to order, is she actually jumping over him physically?
0: Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I presume it's a metaphor, but there's no way to know for sure.
1: Yeah, um, so I think, I mean,
0: Jesse, do you, do you have an opinion? I think you see where I'm going with this. I think that this point of ordering appetizers and mains together is not i i don't think that that is as cut and dried as the issue of ordering everything in random order all at once especially dessert
1: yeah that that is where i think we 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 breach insanity in this case,
0: because I think often a server will first come take a drinks order, make sure everyone has a menu. And if they need, see if they need any help, the second visit from the server will be to take orders for food, appetizers and mains. Then when that's done, they will come and say, hey, would anybody like coffee or dessert?
1: Yeah, we've all been to grown up restaurants before. And we understand that. And we understand that, that going to a restaurant is theater. It is a, a presentation uh of a kind and you in your part as the audience um have certain expectations placed upon you of being a good audience member when you go to see uh some shakespeare play where a bunch of dudes are dressed as women and no one knows what they are uh you're not supposed to stand up in the middle of the thing and go you're all men dressed as women <laughs> <laughs> This mix-up is hardly a mix-up at all. This isn't quite as, quite as offensive as that, but it is, a viol- it is a violation of the accepted pacing of the interaction. And you have to bear in mind that waitstaff are frenzied. I mean, there is a tremendous amount of brain work that goes into being a good uh, waitron as the, that's the gender-neutral term. Did you know that, Jesse?
0: Waitron. Waitron. <laughs> yep, they tried to popularize that for a while. Is in that the, the 1980s? Is that the gender-neutral term, or the uh, live or alive or, or not alive neutral term? Carbon-based or silicon-based neutral term. Waitron is,
1: is also the generic term for robot waiter. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there is there is a tremendous amount of brain work that goes into being waitstaff, right? You are you are maintaining, uh, you you know, however many tables and their various needs. You are the buffer between um, the front of the house and the kitchen, and that is and and the, the the chef and the and the way and the people in the kitchen making the food. Uh, you've got to keep a lot of things straight, and the pacing of drinks order then mains and appetizers than dessert or i should say appetizers and mains and dessert is there for a reason so that you know the 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 person doing the waiting the waitron um can pace out their night properly uh and when you add chaos into that equation by suddenly ordering from the back of the menu forward for reasons that you know, this is one where I kind of wish we had Loan here to explain what his reasoning is, but I, but it wouldn't be a good case to hear uh, on in the court because he would just have some insane thing that he would say, and then we would just hang up on him. But adding chaos to the equation uh, is adding stress to a person who is already really stressed out. And I think that it's inconsiderate to make your waiter or waitress guess as to when you want the food brought out and to ordering dessert before you even order your appetizer or whatever so i think it's i think it's an issue of, of sheer consideration and i i don't know what it is Loan is an interesting name apparently it comes from the breton region of of france and it it's a archaic french word for light and maybe in Brittany, this is how they do things. But uh, in the rest of the world, it's not. And, and it's important to live in the world as it is, not in the weird uh, order from the back of the menu, alternate reality of your head
0: making. Here's something from Derek. I recently went to an outdoor movie screening of Airplane with my girlfriend. Uh, that, some internal punctuation on that one because he left the exclamation mark after airplane. I'm I'm impressed not just That's, by not just by his punctuation, but his choice of outdoor screening films. Indeed, I watched. You know, I watched Airplane maybe a year ago. Holds up. Yeah, it holds up exceptionally well. It is hilarious.
1: Yeah, I spent. I got. I got accidentally onto a, a YouTube uh, hole of scenes from that movie, and I was just like. I'm just going to watch the movie again,
0: and I did. Yeah, I
1: mean, and it was amazing,
0: th- amazingly funny. The genre, a thousand stupid jokes, uh, turns out to be remarkably durable because you only lose like ten percent of the jokes due to uh, lost timeliness.
1: Right, exactly. I think we were just talking about this uh, one of the weeks when you were away because that was the week I saw the airplane. But what, what was the guy? Johnny is like, what, Johnny? What can you make of this? He shows him the, some print out of piece of paper, and Johnny goes, "Well, I can make an airplane or a little hat." <laughs>
0: that's so much.
1: That's a fu- that's a funny verbal gag. But at one point, you know, I can't I can't even remember, someone someone will be yelling at the at the uh, at the internet fake internet radio as I say this. But I don't remember the lead up to this. But it's it's one of the dudes in the in the uh, uh, flight control center saying that you know the the plane is uh, what is it. Some, something's getting hotter or something's getting whatever. Do You know what I mean? And then Johnny just jumps in and grabs him and goes, and
0: Leon's getting larger.
1: <laughs> I love him so
0: much. I actually, I also watched Police Squad, which is out on DVD recently, and that also holds up exceptionally. That is hilarious. That is a hilarious show. Like, it is amazing that they were able to make that much of that funny. Okay, anyway.
1: Oh, totally. But least, wait, we ought to give Johnny his due. He was played by Stephen Stucker, a very funny man who unfortunately passed away at a young age of AIDS. But in any case, let's go back to the question.
0: Uh, so Derek went to see Airplane with his girlfriend at an outdoor screening. When the movie ended, the audience all clapped before getting up and leaving. I've also been a part of the same phenomenon in theaters, and it's always annoyed me. I feel that the point of applauding is to show appreciation to the performers, which obviously doesn't make sense in a typical movie setting, as the actors are not present. My girlfriend finds nothing strange about it and joins in, though at this point she does so mostly as a joke am i wrong to find it weird that groups of people will clap at a large projection on a screen
1: oh what fun it must be to be young and in
0: love (laughs) with so much
1: time on your hands that you
0: (laughs) to explain to your beloved what she's wrong about
1: (laughs) to be to have so much time on your hands not just to see movies outdoors but also to establish elaborate applause theories this I wish I, I wish I were you, young man. Before, Derek, uh, before I rule on Derek, uh, Jesse, do you have a guess as to which way I'm going to rule?
0: Uh, my guess is uh, that you will rule that uh, you should just do as you are moved to do. I have to say, it kind of annoys me too
1: when people applaud. Yeah, I think at movie theaters.
0: I think it's interesting that he brought up the the example of the outdoor screening of Airplane. Right. I think to some extent applauding it in an outdoor screening of Airplane uh is not so much a celebration of the performers on the screen as a celebration of the event uh yeah. and everyone not having participated in it and that it's a special thing and people put it on and um you know that kind of thing in a movie theater this is something that happens almost always here in Los Angeles because everyone everyone also stays for the credits to see the person that they know's name and uh, uh or to memorize them because they're a movie nerd and then everyone applauds uh because they know one person that was a, a best boy on the production um and it's um, well i mean what i, I what what feel very differently if doing, it's a film festival or something and it's a special thing but
1: well oh, so so you did guess my verdict but you disagree with it proactively and and here's what i will say to defend my verdict Your distaste, and I think it might be Derek's as well, is that you get the whiff that the people having no actors in front of them to applaud are instead applauding themselves and their good taste uh, or the fact that they know the, the key grip or whatever. And to some extent, in fact, perhaps to all extent, you are correct. But that said, you don't know what's going on in the hearts and minds of every person around you in the movie theater or in an outdoor screening of airplane. And it may just be a spontaneous moment of excitement and enjoyment and appreciation. Things happen in groups of people when they get together to witness something, whether it's a live event or a pre recorded event like a movie. Things happen. Weird things happen, in among groups that spread from one to the other, a moment uh, or a a, a, a a moment of excitement might elicit a, a burst of of applause that then carries over, and everyone suddenly realizes, "Yeah, I'm excited about this too." One of the greatest moments in my life of of going to movies uh, was going to see the movie Independence Day. Not because the movie was that great or that terrible. I mean, it was all right. But it was. We I went to see it on opening day at the Ziegfeld Theater, the massive, beautiful old movie house in Midtown Manhattan, on July 4th. And before the movie even began, and there was certainly nothing to applaud yet, way in the back, I just... We all started... I was sitting way in the front, way in the back of this block-long movie theater. Someone started seeing the Star-Spangled Banner. And... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was one and 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 it, and you and you could just hear it as people picked it up and and as people picked it up it just moved its way down the audience the star spangled banner was coming for me and i heard it wave down the audience and uh, and then we were all singing the Star-Spangled Banner on Independence Day, before Independence Day. A weird joke moment that that culminated in someone yelling out, play ball at the end. And it was one of the most magical moments I've had in a room with hundreds of strangers. This is the fun part about going out to an event uh, instead of watching, going out to the movies rather than instead of watching them at home where you're just like a sad, lonely man going... That's not fun at all, you know. So uh, you know, it's just applauding at the end of a uh, of a movie. Of course, is is something that happens with very varying, varying levels of self absorption, depending on where and when you see it. But it is not inappropriate at all. It's an expression. It's an expression of one's appreciation of something. And even though that person, you know, you you, you don't you don't have uh, poor. Uh, Steven Stucker there to uh, receive the applause uh, as much as he deserves it for various tragic reasons. Um, it's still worth it. That guy deserves a round of applause. And, you know, he, he, it's weird because, you know, no one is there from the cast to hear you laughing at Airplane. But Derek, would you ever ask the audience not to laugh because there there are no actors there to hear it? Of course not. You're not here to hear me talking to you right now, but I'm I'm laughing in your face right now.
0: <laughs> I think I might have applauded at the end of Mad Max. Doug's a new Mad Max, yeah. Because I was just like, "Holy moly!" I just watched that. Yeah, I'm 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 applauding it right now. Ah, oh, that thing was amazing. They made a good movie. Okay, here's something from from the director of pa- Babe, ba- Pig in the City. Uh, is how they should have marketed, but did not market that. Okay. Here's something from KJ. This dispute is with a friend I know through a popular mobile game. The nature of the dispute is as follows. I have been playing the game, which is a thing, Right. We'll explain what the thing is. For almost a decade, my friend will not accept that the game is real or that she is now playing the game, even though I've made her aware of its existence. I would like you to order her to accept her status as a player of the game and to abide by its rules from this point onward.
1: So I had never heard of the game. And what this person is doing is specifically playing the game by putting it into the mind's of you and me and all of our listeners.
0: I should explain what the game is, just to summarize, wealthy San Francisco financier Nicholas Van Orton gets a strange birthday present from wayward brother Conrad, a live action game that consumes his life.
1: No, no, that's not true. Is that not correct? No, that is the movie, The Game, directed by David Fincher, which is a great movie, actually. I loved that movie. The game is not it's not a mobile game either. It is a it is a mind game that was started up by some presumably college student who had you know who had spent half of his day watching airplane in a, in a on a lawn and then worked out his applause shaming theory and then realized he still had he still had no meaningful human connections or responsibilities, so he still had the whole afternoon to come up with something dumb to waste his and everyone else's in the world's time. Here is what it is from the Wikipedia page, and I'm sorry everyone. There are three rules to the game. Everyone in the world is playing it, whether they know it or not. The game does not require consent to play, and you can never stop playing it. The game consists entirely of this. Whenever you think about the game, you lose. And when you think about the game and lose the game, you have to acknowledge it by saying, I just lost the game. And then this goes on for the rest of your life. Anytime you think about the thing you're not supposed to be thinking about, you've lost and you're supposed to say, I just lost the game, presumably in front of someone else who is also aware of the game. And then they'll think of the game and it'll cause a chain reaction. So you guys understand how dumb this is, right? This may be the dumbest thing that's been invented on a college campus that does not involve drinking or hazing. I have infuriated that this has even been brought to my attention because not only Right. Does uh, is this person wrong in his assertion that this poor (laughs) this poor friend soon to be ex friend of his uh, is is being compelled to think about this dumb mind game whether or not his friend likes it or not, which is basically an an invasion of human rights. But also the secret agenda that I think KJ has is to uh, make me and you, Jesse, and all of our listeners aware of it so that now he can go say, yeah, they're all playing the game and uh, and they have no choice about it. Uh, I'm a grown man. You know, I have children. <laughs> I've got many jobs. I don't have time to spend on this thing anymore. You, I will not order your friend to accept her status as a player of the game because she's a human being who gets to choose how she spends what precious time and brain matter she has in this world. And the fact is, the 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 game is not a game, um, but a different kind of hazing because a game cannot be uh, played unless it is entered into willingly. And the only game that is not entered into willingly by one party is a little game called The Most Dangerous Game, which you will remember from your 7th grade English class is one man hunting another man against his will. KJ, you're a weird predator. I order this. Game over.
0: Wow. Just dropped it on him.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know what? just lost the game.
0: I'm going to suggest that he, uh, instead of playing uh, the game, uh, he play The Most Dangerous Game.
1: No, don't. Don't. (laughs) Don't, don't play the most dangerous game. <laughs> don't hunt is,
0: man for sport. <laughs>
1: don't hunt man for sport. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org, and they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, Boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babel. Okay, it's 2020-24. 2020 20, 20, 20, Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made. Step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for. From family vacations to grandkids graduation to whatever. I have one of these and I got one for my dad and I got one for my mother-in-law. And it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long and we're able to easily update their Aura frame so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up? Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames dot com. Promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year.
1: And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
0: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Here's something from Mitchell. My wife and I cannot agree on how to split our suitcase packing space. I believe we should each have 50% of the suitcase. She believes that she's entitled to pack her dirty shoes, personal effects, and doodads all around the crevasses in my part of the suitcase. I purposely do not overpack my side of the suitcase as I believe it causes my clothes to be wrinkled. She thinks that if there's any free space, she should be entitled to it. I've also caught her red-handed trying to sneak things into my part of the bag. I seek an injunction barring her from stealthily overpacking my side of the suitcase.
1: Did he catch her red-handed trying to sneak her fake blood into his side of the bag? <laughs> yes, presumably so
0: this or, <laughs> or, uh, is it? freshly cut strawberries yeah exactly there we go that's a little well it's a little more plausible or recently uh recently cooked beets
1: um this this one is a, a great one because there there is a puzzle yeah and the puzzle do you know what the puzzle is
0: why do two people have one bag
1: yes thank you <laughs> this is the
0: mystery are they trying to game like uh, a luggage checking system at the airport i guess you know look maybe
1: maybe they're not uh delta sky miles platinum medallion members like me and therefore have to pay for their second or maybe even first checked bag and they're trying to save twenty dollars by the way even though i'm a loyal delta customer and yeah i'm buzz marketing it they've been good to me this year i'm platinum medallion i get I get a free soda in the sky club. Unlimited refills. Uh also I get to hurdle across the continent in a fart tube. But it's <laughs> pretty pretty amazing thing that they provide. But uh one thing I will say is that uh charging money for uh checking bags is the worst policy to have been invented in the past. Uh, Twenty-five years of airlining. Uh, if anything, you should be charging money to bring a bag on. We've discussed this many years ago, but the fact is, this, the incentive should be to stop people from being weirdly paranoid and check their bags at least on flights that are direct. If you have, a, if you're making a connection and you can cram it all into an overhead compartment, then uh, that's a more reasonable thing to do because uh, you might lose your bag there. But it's almost impossible. And even if it, even if you do lose your bag, it, like. It works out. Everything will be fine. They'll get it to you eventually. So I'm a big vocal proponent of bag checking. And there should be no disincentive to bag checking because what you then get is a bunch of people who are are trying to trick themselves and reality into believing that their huge bag is going to fit into an overhead compartment. And they're all line up on that plane clogging up the center aisle and they won't put it and they can't get it above or they're already already been filled up by the sociopaths who get there first. Uh, And then they have to check their bags anyway. And it just everyone gets slowed down. So there. But I can't figure out what Mitchell and his wife are doing here. Why are they splitting that bag? If let's say, for example, they're not trying to save the $20, they could e- they're each entitled. Let's say they're trying to carry it on. They can each entitled to a single carry-on. I don't get it. My advice is get your own suitcases, weirdos. You and your, I just picture you guys sitting on the same side of the booth together with your weird one suitcase between you. You guys have to be so close all the time. No, get your own suitcases, Mitchell, and then you don't have to worry about your wife sneaking her blood-red hands into your into your stuff. That'll show her. But if if there is some reason that you are doing this that is that escapes me at the moment, and that it, is, that it does conform to rationality, then I apologize. And I will then rule and say, yeah, if you split up the suitcase, it's got to be 50-50. You have to have the space to pack the way you want to pack. And there should be no incursions over that bright demarcation line. Mitchell's wife, keep your strawberries to yourself.
0: I mean, it's going to incur anyway. There's no way to prevent the incursions. Unless it's a, unless it's like a a, a, a two suitcases attached in the middle with glue.
1: You could put in some cardboard. I mean, you're already crazy. So why yeah, not?
0: That's a good point.
1: <laughs> why not put in a cardboard divider?
0: I seriously, I just took a six-hour flight with two children under five last week. Uh, two of and them. You had
1: one in one half of the suitcase, and the other in the other half of the suitcase.
0: Yeah, and actually, I just, uh, uh, I just put a, th- a thin layer of plastic. Uh, they knew it wasn't a toy because it says it's not a toy on there between them to keep them from wrinkling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's something from Matt. I would like you to order my wife to wear a helmet when she rides on one of our city's shared bicycles. She often rides on one of these bikes to work in the congested streets of Washington, D.C. without a helmet. It's incredibly upsetting to, to me for reasons that I hope are obvious to you, e.g. head smashing. Yeah. Please help me. I like that it's e.g. head smashing because that's only, it could be arm smashing. There, it's only one example of a list of possible reasons why it would
1: there,
0: be. Th- there are a lot of smashes. I mean, it could it can, be head impaling that's true please help me ensure the safety of my wife and my own sanity
1: well bicycling in the city is a dangerous thing
0: bicycling anywhere is a dangerous thing because you're going way faster than human beings were designed to go
1: that's right it's it's not only is it dangerous but it's ungodly (laughs) your heathen apostate (laughs) wife to stop (laughs) and slow it down i used to bicycle all the time all around uh the Brookline in boston massachusetts and and so on. And I love, it was a great way to 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 get around when you were in late high school and maybe had had a beer and now had a backpack full of science fiction videos that you were going to bike home from the <laughs> video store to watch by yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is I classic high school stuff.
1: Yeah, you know it was. But and here here's what it was. i I you know I used to work at the Coolidge Corner. A movie theater in coolidge corner Brookline, massachusetts great 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 movie theater and uh, and across the street was the video smith and i would go over there and get my videos for the night and then work until midnight and then i would have a beer with the projectionist and then i would get on my bike and then i just remember one summer evening riding my bike down beacon street and knowing that in the in my backpack i had a vhs copy of soylent green and i was gonna watch it and I was just that, like, I feel in many ways I've been chasing that dragon for the rest of my life, that perfect happiness, before I had even seen Soil and Green.
0: Well, you know, Judge Hodgman, I have my own analog to that, which is uh, when Lost Weekend Video opened on Valencia Street in San Francisco. Uh, while I was deeply ambivalent about it for uh, gentrification-related reasons— Uh, They had uh, bootleg VHS copies of uh, Chris Morris television shows from the UK, specifically Brass Eye Eye in the day-to-day. And um, that's all I lived for. Absolutely all I lived for.
1: Are they still – is Brass Eye available now?
0: Well, you can actually buy and you should buy. Like I cannot recommend any cultural product more highly than Brass Eye. Uh, if you go to Amazon.co.uk, you can buy Brass Eye. It's cheap; uh, it's like twelve bucks or something, and the DVD is region free, so it will play in any DVD player.
1: Br- Brass Eye, in case you d- don't know, w- w- was and is a incredible parody of a uh, of a of a news magazine program.
0: Yeah, like a twenty twenty, like or like a hard copy
1: by Chris Morris and he only put out a couple of them. And then one of them was very controversial. I'll let you figure out which, and, uh, and, and it was a mix of phony reportage and then actual interviews with unsuspecting people about made up news stories. And one of them was the, the made up news story was the, uh, the, the scourge of this new drug that it was, that was, um, flooding into nightclubs across the uk and the drug was called cake and it was in the form of the pill about the size of a small ham and (laughs) chris morris would hand this phony pill to various celebrities in british culture at the time and 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 pretend to be a real newsman and say what do you think about this terrible thing and they're like yeah i've heard all I've heard about this. It was this amazing moment of auto suggestion They're like, yeah, we have to do something about this.
0: And they actually got that cake episode. They got something. They got a bill introduced to parliament uh, condemning cake.
1: Yeah. But in real life, (laughs) if you've ever read the areas of my expertise by John Hodgman, Uh, then please don't see Brass Eye because you're going to know where I stole it all from. It's amazing. (laughs) And you know... What were we talking... Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, so Brass Eye is available on a region-free DVD. It couldn't be more wonderful and... um, uh, uh, Mr. Morris also directed a really brilliant movie called uh, Four Lions, which people should. I would I would recommend to people as well. I'll you take that
1: recommendation. I don't know why I missed it, but I remember when it came out, and I will I will see it.
0: You can get that. You can get that on DVD. It's a, it's a great. Uh, it's a really excellent film. And he's also directed a lot of episodes of Veep because Armando Iannucci, who uh, uh, created The Day Today and and or helped create The Day Today and and worked on Brass Eye as well, I think. Um, uh, is the creator of Veep and uh, the brilliant British predecessors to Veep. So there you go, Bob's your uncle. Well, the, I, remember will... ri- I remember riding my bike down Valencia Street to Lost Weekend Video, which still exists and is now a comedy venue in San Francisco as well as a video store. Um, and they had those, uh, uh, they had those brass eye VHSs, and a couple of guys uh, who were completely disinterested in their customers uh, watching the Giants game, which they still have. Speaking of, they things, still, they still
1: they have, still have uh, they still have Giants baseball in San Francisco. Uh,
0: yeah, only barely. Uh, there, uh, there are a few, there are a few funded startups that are trying to disrupt Giants baseball. <laughs> um, but yeah, mm, you got, you got
1: me into a, a conversation about sports there, but that's enough of that. I will take your recommendation of four lines. I will take your recommend your life-saving cultural recommendation. Do you know why? Why is that? Because, because I realize that if I don't watch four lions, Um, My head's going to get smashed in. Yeah. No, truly, look, you know, it's not as bad as all of the people that I see driving or or, or motorcycling around in Connecticut and Maine where there are no helmet laws without helmets. That's that's monstrously arrogant uh, and and delusional to think that you are so immortal that you're not going to get knocked off your bike ever in your life. And the truth is that I will not i would never ever 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 again well i won't bike in new york city or for that matter washington dc at all i mean it's far it's far more congested and people get really really banged up on on bicycles in major metropolitan and areas and while i applaud the bike sharing program and i wish we all could be riding bikes some more it's uh i i, 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 I shake my non-helmeted head in uh In complete concern and confusion as to why someone wouldn't take what is obviously the most basic and reasonable precaution one can take, the the helmets are very light. You can carry them with you. You Can you can clip them uh, to your bag? uh, And when you get on one of those share bikes, just put it on. I mean, I, I I do so order it, even though it is not the law in DC. I did look it up. You don't have to. You don't have to protect your life, but if you have other humans in your life who are relying on you or who love you, as Matt seems to do, I think it's profoundly selfish to
0: uh, to not wear a helmet. I think the thing I think about wearing a helmet that people seem to lose track of is that. There are many, many, many things that could lead you to hit your head on something while you're on a bicycle that aren't even about you not being good at riding a bicycle. There's ten thousand both acts of God and acts of foolishness on the part of other people that simply lead to you falling off your bike and because of the speed that a bike goes, which is you know fifteen twenty miles an hour, uh, you can die immediately uh, like i you know people die and if you wear a helmet, you uh, cut down your incidence of mortality dramatically. Um, I would say you know what's one fun thing you know Max Funster in uh, Denmark I wasn't I, I was in Denmark recently and didn't get to go meet them because uh, they didn't live in Copenhagen they lived out too far outside but uh, Max Funster wrote to me uh, his wife invented have you seen this uh, like airbag helmet? It's like sort of like a scarf. It's like a sort of a scarf that you wear around your neck. And in the incidence of a uh, of an accident, uh, it blows up like an airbag and protects your head. So if oh, you're wow. if you're worried about messing up your hair or not looking cool, get one of those. Judge Hodgman, you and I have a speaking engagement coming up.
1: We do. We are going to be appearing at the Green Space. Is that true? Yeah,
0: yeah, the Green Space in, in Manhattan, New York City at WNYC. I'm going to do my talk, Make Your Thing, which is about making independent media, and then uh, at at its conclusion, uh, after I have taught everyone everything they need to know, uh, you will be leading a, a Q&A um, yes. where we will teach everyone more than they needed to know.
1: You and I will have a conversation, and then we'll open the floors to some Qs, and we'll offer some A's. And the green space, of course, is a is a wonderful uh, uh, theater and performance space. And it, it, at the on the first floor of the great WNYC FM, uh, our flagship public radio station here in New York City, to which I am a proud donor. And uh, it'll be a very fun night. And what is the date for that?
0: That is on uh, Friday, November 20th. And the night before in Brooklyn, uh, I am going to be doing a Bullseye live as part of our world tour of several American cities. Uh, the Brooklyn show is uh, the great Tavi Gevinson, the brilliant magazine editor. Uh, oh, and, Tavi is fantastic. Uh, child genius turned adult genius. Um, uh, the brilliant comedian Aparna Nancharla, who's one of the funniest people around. Uh, the legendary rapper, maybe, may, might literally be my favorite rapper of all time, Ferrell Monch. And we've got shows coming up in Los Angeles, Boston, uh, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C. Among the guests on those shows, William H. Macy, uh, Joel Hodgson, <gasps> uh, Barney Frank, Congressman <gasps> Barney Frank, former Congressman Barney Frank, uh, Mission of Burma, Dan Deacon, Ray Suarez, Hari Kondabolu, um all kinds of amazing stuff. Uh, so if you're in L.A., Boston, Brooklyn, Manhattan philadelphia or washington dc i hope we will see you at the live bullseye shows all of the information and ticket links is at bullseye tour.com and the tickets are selling fast so please grab your tickets now Uh, it is going to really be a blast and i will you know i'll hang around and say hello and uh take a picture with you uh, no matter what Judge Hodgman says,
1: you know I've gotten most of my mandatory life-saving cultural recommendations from Jesse and from Bullseye, and uh, obviously I, I'm going to go there and buy some tickets to all those shows, and I'm just going to buy them all. You're gonna just going f- to
0: you're just going to follow me on tour like like I was the Grateful Dead.
1: <laughs> That's right. I'm selling f- unlicensed merchandise in the parking lot. I'm going to be selling. Saw- I'm going to be selling bootlegs of
0: Brass Eye <laughs> and old <laughs> and old Sound of <laughs> Young America tapes. Cool. <laughs> that time, that time that Dustin Diamond from Saved by the Bell came on the sound of Young America and just told uh, lousy street jokes about disabled people <laughs> we were like, oh, I guess he's a monster. And then he'd stab someone later. It turned out he was turned out
1: you get you get early warnings about which entertainers are monsters by by listening to the bleeding edge interviews of culture and comedy and music that is bullseye. You guys already know this, but why don't you come out and see the shows and presume all the the information is also
0: at the website. All that is at bullseye tour dot com bullseye tour. .com.
1: I have concluded my touring shows, um, so I have nothing to say about that. Instead, I will make a life-saving cultural recommendation to all of you. If you do not know already, please do know that on the Esquire television network will premiere season two of Going Deep with David Reese. Now, mm. we all know mm. David mm. Reese. He's one of the great and profound thinking comedian slash artisanal pencil sharpeners of all time perhaps you saw season one of going deep when it was on the national geographic channel this is a how-to show that teaches you how to do things you think you already know how to do them such as tie your shoes or take a nap or pet a dog and or dig a hole and david talks to experts in all of these fields hole digging dog petting nap taking i think i'm the expert for the nap taking actually (laughs) I am, and uh, and he. It's just one of the most. If you liked those segments of Mister Rogers when Mister Rogers would visit an American factory that made crayons, then you will love David Reese in Going Deep with David Reese season two. You can go back to uh, to Amazon Instant Video, I think, uh, and and watch old episodes. Uh, maybe still on Hulu. Uh, you can buy the DVD of the first season, but uh, but why go through all that trouble when there are brand new episodes? premiering November 11th on the Esquire channel, Uh, check your internet to find out where the Esquire channel is on your cable package. Please, please give this show a try. Uh, It's, it's really, really amazing. And I, and I think you'll enjoy it.
0: It's my favorite nonfiction television program other than the antiques roadshow. And it would be unreasonable for me to be asked to prefer something to the Antiques Roadshow. But it is as good as it gets. It's so fun and funny and informative. It, it far, like David Reese is someone I really like and admire. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not pals with him like you, but I'm friendly with him. And uh, it far exceeded my expectations. I was like, oh, man, this show and is you-
1: great. Do you do you watch it with your kids at all?
0: Uh, we're we're getting up there. Well, I think by the time right. they're eight, I think that'll be yeah. prime. Seven or eight, they'll be prime. You, it's hilarious. It's like genuinely, it's like genuinely informative. It's so great. Oh, Judge okay. Hodgman! Before we go, yeah, yeah. just to just to uh, as a like a little treat for everyone who's sat through all of our plugs just now. I love a little treat. You know, I don't think I've gotten. I don't think I've gotten more positive feedback from anything I've ever done on Judge John Hodgman than when I told that street joke recently. And <laughs> um, I, have a, I have another joke for people. Oh, here's one. Yeah, it's, it's another like full on joke book joke uh, that I can't take any credit for authorship of. But the, the king and the royal vizier, I mean, you know, a royal vizier, Judge Hodgman, it's like a, a, like an advisor. Okay. Um, a sidekick. True. Sure. They're out in the forest. And they're hunting for moose. It's one of the king's favorite things to do. And uh, they haven't bagged any moose. They finally, they, they come to this clearing. And there's a naked man standing in the middle of the clearing. And uh, the king swings his moose gun up and points it at the naked man. And the naked man sc- screams and raises his hands up in the air and says, Your Majesty, don't shoot me. I- I'm not a moose. And uh, the king... Wow! shoots him dead right there and the royal vizier looks up at the king he says your majesty why did you shoot that man he said he wasn't a moose and the king says oh geez i thought he said he was a moose
1: I hope I hope right thinking people around the world who are listening to this podcast now at their outdoor amphitheater podcast party are now
0: applauding their fake radios. <laughs> the Judge John Hodgman Podcast is produced by Julia Smith, edited by Mark McConville. If you have a case for Bravo! Judge John Hodgman, maximumfun.org slash jjho, jjho. Hashtag it on Twitter, hashtag jjho, so we see what you have to say about the show. And talk about it on Facebook and on Reddit at maximumfun.reddit.com, uh, the world's friendliest Reddit community. Uh, We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Bravo! MaximumFun dot org. Comedy and culture, artist owned,
1: listener supported.